Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. I, um, as a young person, didn't have a very good start to life when it came to water. Um, I, my parents tell me that at a very young age, um, I was destined to probably drown. Uh, I think they recall one time I was in the bath with my sister and mum turned her head and looked back and Steve had gone. Um, just bubbles. Uh, luckily got me out. I didn't have to revive me. I was okay. If you're a parent of a little tiny toddler or baby, you understand that feeling. Uh, another time they said they were having a picnic at the Botanical Gardens in Melbourne and they were just watching us kids play and I was by now running around and, and we're all playing down around near this fountain. No worries of looking. They're sitting to chat and they turned back and Steve disappeared. And somehow I'd managed to fall over into the fountain. I was just kind of lying at the bottom looking up. Um, I'm sure I was destined to drown. I, just, I remember over and over again, the next time was at a family Christmas party and we had a pool there and people were in the pool and I was a little boat and I had to swim and one of my uncles thought it'd be fun to throw me in. And they see me kind of sink in the middle of the pool and dad jumped in and lifted me out. Um, not long after that was a church gathering, my parents were in ministry and, and a young adults event and, and again I somehow got tossed into the water. I'm not sure how old I was, but they presumed I could swim and I couldn't. And, and I had a terror of water. I had a terror of actually being in this place, of, of actually being... I didn't know what to do. My swimming capacity was that of a brick, to be honest. Um, from most of my... Um, probably until I was about grade six, I think. Uh, I just didn't like water. I remember I went to go to the beach every sort of summer for holidays and I'd refuse to take my shoes off on the sand because I knew if I had my shoes on, I wouldn't get wet. No one would put me in the water. So I just keep my shoes on and I'm safe on the sand. After a little while, mum and dad thought, actually, it's time we kind of taught this kid to swim. I was 17. Um, <laughs> no, just I was probably a bit earlier, still primary school. And I remember going down to Nunawadding local pool. And I think my dad was there and he was trying to teach me to swim. My younger brother's two and a half years younger than me. My recollection is my brother loved the water. He kind of kicked around and, and paddled and swam a little bit. I kind of was really terrified to let go of the edge. Because I can remember the times I'd kind of sunk. And this, this, this thing, this liquid, this is, humans were not designed for this. If we were, we'd have gills. Like we, we are land-dwelling creatures, keep your shoes on, drink coffee and read a good magazine. That's, kind of, that's the life that God intended for us, I'm sure. Um, it's interesting, over time, obviously, I learned to swim. And, and the fear of water and the fear of what could potentially happen gave way to actually great enjoyment in it. As a teenager, I loved going to the beach. I loved surfing. I, I, loved, I loved going spearfishing. And suddenly there was this new discovery of, of freedom and enjoyment that came in this space that I probably wasn't really naturally designed for. I think in some ways that learning to swim is a great analogy for the life of faith. We have the natural capacity for faith of a brick. We don't actually have the capacity for faith, really, as human beings. That's our kind of natural position. And so we fear the idea of stepping out, of boldly going into something new, of swimming in the glory of God, of swimming in the depths of what God invites us to. We prefer to remain on the shores, on the edge, maybe dabbling our toes in once in a while. But really, let's just play it safe and remain back. It's an environment, this one of faith, where we're not in control, where, where, where we've got to trust the one who is showing us where he might want us to go and trust that he will hold us up and that this environment of faith will, will sustain us. And God invites us into an adventurous faith. He says, come and journey with me. Come and, come and, come and explore me. Come and explore the depths of who I am and discover something new. 
We can't really even begin to imagine what God may want to do in and through our life until we begin that first step of faith. And this incredible story of Peter in the boat really, for me, highlights it. It's an amazing story. I'm just going to read it through. So if you've got it there, won't you join me? It's verse 22 of chapter 14. It says this, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. And they went ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, he just fed 5,000 people. It was a big moment for him and a big moment for the disciples. After he dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside and he prayed. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. Are you of little faith? Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you're the Son of God. The title in your Bible, probably similar to mine, says, Jesus walks on water. I think for me, a more amazing title was Peter Walks on Water. Like, we can't expect that from Jesus, right? Like, as they said at the end, you are the Son of God. But the fact that Peter walks on water, and, and the fact that at the end of this story, Jesus looks at him and says, Oh, you of little faith. I don't remember the last time I walked on water. I don't actually really remember the last time that, that I kind of stepped out so boldly as to even try to walk on water. I remember a friend of mine tells a story of, uh, he was a church planner, and he tells a story, he went to India to learn about church planning and, and multiplying communities of faith. And he, he and his team from a very large and successful church in Australia sat with this Indian pastor. An Indian pastor started telling him about all that was going on and, and, and literally thousands of churches they're seeing planted. And his pastor looked at them and he said, okay, so, so Sam, when was the last time you raised someone from the dead? Uh, I, oh, I, I prayed at my grandma's funeral. Um, okay, and so he turned to the next person. And he said, Andrew, Andrew, uh, when was the last time you cast out a demon? Um, uh, my TV didn't work one time and I prayed over it and just, it, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> and he went around this circle and he looked at them and he said, so you're not even disciples. I don't know what our definition of disciple is or what the life of faith should look like, but in this story, Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith to the man who just walked on water, to the man who was bold enough to step out of the boat. I think in some ways we kind of water down faith, don't we? We, we water down what it means to actually have faith, what it means to apply faith, what it means to live in faith. We, we kind of actually place faith into the realm of mere belief, which it begins with, but it doesn't stay there. You see, mere belief is to say that, yes, I believe a thing to be true. Faith is to take this belief and apply it into our situation with all of the realities and consequences that that demands. Does that make sense? So Peter stands there and he says, I believe that you are the son of God. And if you can walk on water, then you can make me walk on water. That's not faith. That's his belief. Faith is his step out of the boat. 
Does that make sense? So we kind of often water it down. You see, faith takes belief and acts according to all of its hopes and its unseen. I, I can believe something to be true and actually never live in faith accordingly to it. And often in our Christian journey, we find ourselves in those positions. I believe a lot about God. I believe a lot about who he is and, and his promises for me because he is a God who promises good to us, right? But do I have faith to live accordingly to those promises in my everyday experience? James 2 speaks into this. James 2.26, he says, without, so, so Faith without works is dead. You see, a faith doesn't actually exist in any meaningful way until there's corresponding action. So unless we actually step out into that belief system, then we remain in the place of just mere belief. You see, faith appropriates all the promises of God for his people, and it says, that is true for me. And so Catherine read out Hebrews 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's this, everything that I read of God and his promises is, is for me. It's true for my life, for my family, for my church. And interestingly, that's the life of faith that is what God looks for as the pleasing life. That's what Hebrews 11.6 says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God looks for those of faith. When we encounter Jesus in the Gospels, he, he, he's, he loves faith. In the words of Jesse Skelly, faith is his jam. That's how he put it, right? Like he looks for it. There's only two times in the Gospels where we read that Jesus was amazed at something in a a person that he encountered. Both times in relation to faith. The first one we encounter is the centurion in Luke 7. And he says of this man, he says, he was amazed at this man's faith. And then he says to his disciples, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. I was amazed at his faith. The second time we read of it is in Mark 6 when Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth. And he's amazed at their lack of faith. And the Bible corresponds to that. It says he could not do many miracles there. The lack of faith meant that he didn't do many miracles there. You see, God responds to the faith of those who hope in him. Not, not because he can't act without us. But because when we live in faith, we give him the space to act. Augustine put it like this. He said, without God, we cannot but without, God, without us, God will not. There's so much that God holds for your life, that He desires for your faith journey. It will never come to reality until you step out, until you step into the place that's uncomfortable and unknown. You see, although I'm called to the life of faith to reflect the centurion in Capernaum, more often than not, my life and my faith really reflects those people of Nazareth, right? I'm not really sure if Jesus could do that for my life. I'm not really sure if I can trust him with all of this. You see, sadly, I actually think that many of us, although we have a faith in Christ, we have very little experience of faith in its fullest sense. Our culture and sometimes even our church environment is not conducive to living a life of faith, as the Bible talks about it. Mainly, not because it's negative towards it, but mainly because there's so few places that we allow for God to work. Does that make sense? We, we kind of have created a place where actually it's, it's all right without him. But the story of Peter in the boat offers us a challenge to embrace the life of adventure. Because only in the life of faith do we truly experience the depths of Jesus' goodness. Only in the life of faith do we actually begin to truly know God. 
Because we can know of God, but until we experience that, do we know God? Does that make sense? Faith takes us to that place where we experience the richness and the fullness of God again. I just want to talk you through three, three steps of faith. These are actually by a gentleman named Henry Blackaby, who writes a brilliant book called Experiencing God. And the first one is this. He says, in this story, what we first see is we see that life of faith begins with an invitation and a crisis of belief. The life of faith begins with an invitation, a crisis of belief. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And without stating the obvious, why did Peter ask that question? I mean, it's lunacy. But secondly, he does encounter a crisis of belief, doesn't he? Because he's kind of received the invitation to come. And so at this point, he says, oh my goodness. I've just declared that I think Jesus can make me water come water. And now he's kind of saying, yeah, let's do that. What do I do now? What do I actually do? What do I, what do, I do with, this, with this belief I have? Do I act into it or do I just retreat back into the safety of the boat? Do I actually believe Jesus is able to do what he's asking me to do? It's the moment where I'm faced with the reality of putting my faith into action. It's the crisis point. I don't know if this week, if any of you sort of are into surfing, they had the Eddie Aku Big Wave Invitational this week. It's an event that only runs when the waves are over 12 metres high. And it's not a towing event, so you don't have a jet ski towing you in. It's a paddling event. And it's the first time it's run in six years, I think. 2009 was the last time it ran. And only those people were invited. But you can imagine these men, and as they talk about it, they paddle into this wave that's coming up behind them. Twice the height of this roof. And as they go up the face of this wave and they get towards the lip, when the wave finally picks them up, I have no doubt that they face a crisis of belief. As they look down 25 metres to the shallow reef below them and they wonder, do I actually think I can do this? Maybe I'll just bail out and pull over the back and just pretend I was never going to make it. It's a crisis of belief. It's a point I'm either in or I'm not in. Either I go for it or I just step back to where I was and never experience it. For you, there's 78 in this church, Sam was telling me, on Thursday night met to do this course called Evangelism Shift. That's incredible. 78 people have come along and say, God, I know that you're a work in this world and I know that you reach people with the gospel and I want you to do that through me. We've declared our belief. For each of those 78 in that program, there's going to come a point in this next week, month, 12 months, where they're going to have a crisis of belief. Where they're going to go, I've jumped into this program and now my friend's actually asking me about Jesus. I've jumped into this program and now someone in my life is going through difficulties and I know Jesus is the answer, but do I really want to be that person? Do I really think that Jesus can use me? Do I really think that he can use my testimony, my life to share faith with someone else? They're going to experience a point where they either step forward into it and experience the grace and the goodness of God, or they kind of retreat back. The crisis of belief. Maybe you've experienced this crisis of belief before. Maybe even in your own life right now, you know Jesus is saying, Come. Come, follow me into something new. And you're wrestling with this idea that what does it really mean to step out into that? Maybe you're stuck. What is your sticking point? 
Maybe it's about provision for your family. I know, yes, you're calling me to come, but to be honest, if I go there, like, how am I going to provide? Maybe it's about the power of the gospel. Yeah, I know you're calling me to be a witness, but, 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 but I don't know if I can trust it to actually work when I bear witness and people might respond. Maybe the sticking point is, I don't know if I want to be in that new place that you're taking me. It's a bit scary. It's, it's beyond me. God never calls us to step out in faith into something that we can do on our own. That's why it's a crisis of belief. Because we know it's beyond ourselves. It's a place that we could never go unless God turns up. That's an exciting place to be. But it's a terrifying place to be. What's your crisis of belief at the moment? The second thing we encounter is that life of faith requires adjustment in order to obey. It requires adjustment towards obedience. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and came towards Jesus. You see, when we encounter the invitation of Jesus, faith steps out accordingly. It faces this moment of belief where we go, do I actually really trust God? Am I willing to go that journey? And then it steps out. I mean, for Peter, that step is... Over the edge, to place a foot on the top of the surging seas, to lift his other foot out, and then to let go. That's a big adjustment from a boat to no boat when you're on water. <laughs> I, like, I don't know if I'd let go. But until I let go, I never actually experience the reality of what God's calling me to. Does that make sense? I must adjust. Unless I adjust my life in order to obey, I'll never experience what God's calling me into. I think sometimes we, we've built up a, this appraisal of thinking. Uh, and by that what I mean is that we kind of praise those who think deeply about stuff, so much so that they can actually feel like they've done something. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just man, I'm just so passionate about this. I really feel like God's got me on this agenda. I'm so excited. We're like, yeah, it's so good that you're doing that. It's so good. And like 12 months later, we see them again. We go, man, how'd you go with that? Oh, nah, like it never, oh, nah. I'm still thinking about it. And we can just kind of think and think and think and think. And we, ne we never actually get to the point where we let go of the boat. But we can kind of celebrate that. My wife and I are on an adventure this year. We feel like God's called us in a very new place. We feel like God is inviting us to, to kind of live as missionaries over in the Western Sydney, Parramatta actually, and, and, and to actually try to put into practice what he means when he says, go and make disciples. I remember I was sitting with my boss last year and we were just wrestling with this and talking about this and, and God dropped in my mind that, that passage where Jesus encounters the first disciples on the shore of Galilee. He says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And it was interesting because I was incredibly convicted by that and humbled by that. And I'd been in youth ministry and young adult ministry for, for nine years. Haven't I been fishing for men? Isn't that what I've been doing this whole time? But God stuck it there. Come, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It is very easy out the front of a church to proclaim something. It's very different when you're out in a secular world to live something. It's very easy to lead a church of willing people. It's very different when Jesus says, now I want you to do it. 
and it required an adjustment. I couldn't keep doing what I was doing or our family couldn't keep doing what we were doing in order to step into what God was calling us to do. We had to change. Change location. Change occupation. We, we, we need to, as we progress into this, adjust our whole lifestyle to make room for the people around us who we think God's leading us to reach. We have to change the privacy of our home to make it open and encourage, hey, this is a place we can come and experience love and family. When God invites you to step out in faith, there's an adjustment that needs to happen. Sometimes that adjustment is required of a whole church. That's what's happening here at Northside. As you begin the journey down evangelism shift, this church is going through an adjustment in order to walk into what God is calling it to be and to do. A family may have to adjust itself to do it. It may be a different job. It may be a different location. It may be different groups of friends. It may be a different level of giving. I don't know what it is that God's calling you to be, but, but God is inviting you, saying, come walk with me, step out of the boat, let go of what you know and step into something new. And in order to do that, you will adjust your life. And if you do not adjust your life, you'll never really be able to step out in obedience and it'll all be a nice idea that you faced at one point in your Christian faith, but you never encountered the glory of God along the way. The really interesting thing about Peter on the water is that he steps out, he lets go, and then he begins to doubt. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. It's interesting that as we step out in faith, we face the wind. We, 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 we see the reality of our circumstances and they can undermine my pursuit of the life of faith. That They can cause me to question. The enemy loves to do it, to, to put doubts in your head. You can't do that. I know you've let go, but it's just going to fall over. I know you think it's a really great idea, but man, you're kidding yourself. There's a whole lot of things that in our life might be the wind that give rise to doubt and to uncertainty and cause us to maybe... Grab back on the boat. Things like comfort. Like, oh man, this is actually just, it's a little bit too uncomfortable now. I'm not good with that. I'm going to jump back. Maybe it's the wreckage of our life, the sense that we've experienced pain and hurt before. And as we start to embrace this new reality God calls us to, it just, those thoughts and memories and feelings come flooding back and we retreat. It might be others' opinions of us. They just don't get it. They don't understand. They don't think it makes any sense. It might be opposition, spiritual opposition. I have no doubt for those of you who are embracing the journey to become disciple makers for Evangelism Shift, you'll encounter spiritual opposition. You'll encounter lives of people who, who keep pushing back, pushing back, and there'll be prayer, and there'll be prayer, and there'll be prayer, and there'll be prayer, and there'll be boldness on your behalf till finally there's victory. Maybe we get personal opposition, physical opposition. And in that moment when we, when we see the wind, there's two responses. Either we are the people who reach back for the boat. Paul talks about those people who retreat. The boat where we were, where we were safe, where we know, where we can control, and in turn we miss out on what God might have had for us. Or we are those who we turn our eyes straight to Jesus and we cry out and we say, Lord, save me. And we lunge forward as we begin to sink, as we get covered in water and we reach out our hands. And finally, he who is faithful, who promised to hold us, who called us out, grabs our hand and says, I got you. We'll do this together. Because faith is never about me. It's never about my journey. It's actually always about him who we're looking at, isn't it? It's always about the one who promises. 
who says, come follow me, I'll show you something new. Come and live this new life, live into this new occupation. Begin to be a witness, begin to proclaim, give more generously. I am enough in all of these places for you. Has Jesus called you to come and you need to make an adjustment? Are you still holding on to a boat? Maybe you've begun to sink where you are and you're kind of at knee-high water and you're wondering which way to turn. Lunge for Jesus. Because it's an exciting place to be. The last thing we encounter in this is that the life of faith results in knowing Jesus and you. Results in, in encountering the depths of God's character and person. When you became a Christian, you encountered a crisis of belief. You heard the gospel. You thought, do I believe? Can I, can I trust my life to this? Can I trust this person? And, and for many of you, you stepped into it. And you never looked back. But it was just the beginning, wasn't it? It's not the end of the journey. The journey goes on and God is so much greater, so much deeper, so much more to understand of God than when we first began but we only know through experience. We can know of God. We can study the Bible as much as we like. We can, we can know the quotes of God. We can know a whole lot about God. But until we step out, we don't really know God. I want to know God by experience because it leads to a far deeper understanding. I love the, how this passage ends. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him. And those in the boat worshipped him. Can you, can you imagine what that worship was like? Can, can you imagine the, the depths of joy and excitement that came out in that worship moment? It wasn't a dreary Sunday morning kind of sing-along, right? It was a life-altering, paradigm-shattering reality they'd encountered in this person, Jesus, that gives rise to a, to a, to a joyful rejoicing and worship unlike they'd experienced before. And who do you think was singing the loudest in that moment? Peter. Soaked in his robes, freezing cold. He's encountered Jesus who in that moment he knows as saviour. He encountered Jesus who in that moment he knows as Lord of all creation. He encountered Jesus who he knows in that moment as the one who no matter what trouble he faces, his hand will hold him up. Uh, I want to be in that place. And I want to be in that place again and again and again. I don't want to keep telling the stories of when I was 15. God really showed up and I'm still living off that. I mean, that's an amazing experience and it shaped my reality. But God isn't finished with me yet. And he's not finished with you yet. I think so many of us don't comprehend what it is that God may want to do in our life. We're not willing to step out of the faith. Paul talks about it, Ephesians, Philippians, Ephesians. Our God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. When was your last immeasurably more moment that when you came to worship, 
It was an overflow of the encounter you just had with this life-saving, life-giving, all-providing, sovereign God. As a dad of a three-year-old and a one-year-old, I get to do swimming lessons with my kids. That's a great joy. They jump into this water. They have no swimming capacity either. In fact, when I'm not looking, they sink. But they have an abundance of confidence because they know who it is who's there to catch them. And they enjoy the water and they they flip around carefree because they know that their father won't drop them. I think for some of us, we need to learn to swim again with God. We need to learn again what it looks like to step beyond where we can control it and step into the place where he might be calling us. To step out of our boat, to let go of the rails and to begin to believe that he is who he says he is and that my life in his hands is far, far better than life in my own hands. To to recognise that I'm called beyond this life, beyond the life of mediocrity, beyond the life of just merely knowing something of God and to know that I'm called into a life of experiencing the reality of God. How endless are the depths of the glory and love of Jesus for you, yet we settle for sitting in a boat. We settle for dangling our feet in the water from the shore, safely allowing our life to pass by. I know not all of us here are of parent age, or grandparent age for that matter. But I want to give an encouragement that this morning we, we dedicated beautiful Adele. And whether you have kids or not, you become in that moment a parent of faith, a mother or a father of faith. You bear some responsibility for this young person because you become the models of faith that that person will look to throughout their life. They may see you once or twice at church. They may not even know your name. Maybe you'll be involved in their life a whole lot. But you become a mother and a father of faith. And and as a youth pastor and someone who helps our churches develop youth and young adults ministries, the young generation are crying out to see mothers and fathers above them who live a bold, adventurous faith where they, as a young person, can tell the stories of where God turned up in my family because my parents obeyed, where God turned up when we were in need because my parents trusted him, where God turned up in my neighbours' lives and our family's life because my parents continued to step out in faith. The greatest disenchantment that I think happens with our young people is when they look to those who are leading the way above them and they see a faith that is merely ideas and thoughts and not a faith that is a zealous pursuit of the God who inhabits those. Does that that make sense? You are mothers and fathers, and what they need is to see people who boldly step out in faith so that they can be invited in as well. You become the permission givers for them. When we step out in faith, then and only then can we invite others in. Jesus, if it is you, Invite me to come, Peter says. And for some of us this morning, Jesus is saying, come. I don't know what it is for you. 
Only you know, and I know where Jesus is pressing on your heart. But I urge you, face that crisis belief. Make the adjustments necessary in your life. And experience the abundant joy of encountering Jesus in you. Let me pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.